And Jandre, if you don't, you're welcome to keep your video on, but if you don't want to, you're, that's totally fine too. I didn't want you to feel obligated. Yeah, it's Friday. It's casual Friday. So welcome y'all um, back for session number two. We've been talking amongst ourselves, uh, considering that we're going to just to kind of quickly review all the content we covered in session one and then continue on with new stuff. So you get a bonus here, you get a little bit of both. Um, I'm gonna introduce uh, Amanda Smith and you can tell us a tiny bit about yourself. Sure. Hey guys, I'm Amanda Smith. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer for Apara Autism Center. Uh, we are a local ABA provider. Uh, we have an office in Sugarland in Katy and um, opening in the springtime in the Memorial area. Um, and um, we work with kids all ages. I think our youngest has been 22 months and our oldest right now is 16, um, both in center and in home, um, especially now due to COVID. Um, and, um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Well, awesome. So um, I think everybody else is kind of part working or um, uh, feel free anytime you want to uh, undo. Uh, uh, Usha was with us earlier, so you've got a nice introduction from her from the first session. Um, so I'm going to share our screen here. We've got a lot of great content from the first session that we hope you all can um, join and listen to. All right, and we are recording just so that we have that full disclosure. So we're very thrilled about this. Um, we hope to cover a lot of ideas that help you. We care a lot about self-directed learning, the motivation of your child, helping your child become independent, building their resilience and their self-control. I'm gonna show you four cover sheets of the last four ARDS that my kid has been through. Well, we've been through it together. And then um, we'll uh, go on to the rest of the content. This is just the, the, the tip, tiny tip of the iceberg. Uh, there's 220 other pages on this year's. We're gonna give you a lot of um, uh, like technical background and at the same time, ways to apply that. How does that look? How might you use it? A little bit of the law in there too. And Amanda's got a lot of great applications from uh, all of her perspectives also. And we welcome you to come on anytime. Feel free to interrupt us. This is your time. This was uh, last year. I'm going backwards here. Um, ours is like a marketing plan. <laughs> we've got law. We've got um, letters of recommendation. We've got um, a lot of comments from the parent. Uh, there was only one parent now. John's dad passed last January. Um, a tiny bit about me and my kids while you're just watching the pictures here. Um, I've got two, and uh, it puts me in the world of mental health awareness, gifted and talented, um, uh, gender issues, uh, learning differences, um, and um, gosh, uh, oh, uh, recovering codependent, that's myself, and single parenting, um, and then grief and trauma, the kid's dad, um, we were divorced, passed in um, January. So that's kind of my, my brain, where my perspective is with all of this. So then this is going backwards. And this is the very first year I woke up. John's the third rising fourth year. And I just, there's so much I didn't know. And uh, my hair has been on fire ever since, but I've documented a lot. Um, so certainly not trying to overwhelm you here. Uh, just lots of ideas, lots of great ideas. Um, and if you can add to the pile, great, do that. We're gonna have a little bit about a repair 
uh, Para, uh, Fast Track here. Session one had much more information on it. Great stuff, a great background, essential really in our world. And then we'll move on to some ideas of application. Go Amanda. Um, so I go ahead and skip right to the next slide, Gail. Uh, the one right after that, sorry. Keep on, one more. There we go. Um, this this quote right here, I think sums up really a part in a nutshell. Um, I'll read it because it gives me goosebumps every time I read it. But if I could give my child three things, it would be confidence to always know their self-worth, the strength to follow their dreams and the ability to know how truly deeply loved they are. Um, and I think it also, without realizing when I put this in, Gail had the other slide as well that talks about motivation and self-confidence as well. Um, I just, I, I didn't catch that this morning. So putting those two together, great minds, I guess, right? Um, but that's really, you know, in a nutshell, who we are at Apara that um, we're just really trying to work hard to work with our families and work with our, the kiddos. I used to call them kiddos because most of them are, are under 10 um, that we're working with and um, helping them just be the best that they can be and give them all the tools that they need to be as successful as they can be um, without changing who they are. Um, I have no, you know, not changing personalities, not changing, you know, what they do or things like that. It just helping them just be a, a better them and helping their families um, for everybody to learn different skills to help each other as well. So um, like I said, that quote really, um, again, as a parent myself, that quote really does strike home that I think that's every parent's goal is just for their kids to know how much they're loved and have them have confidence and self-worth of themselves. So um, go ahead, Gail, you can move on. Um, I'm going to skip over what is ABA. We talked a lot about it um, this morning. So definitely if you're watching this one, um, you got it already from the first session um, where you can backtrack to that. Um, I know the families that are in this talk have already either currently in ABA or have done ABA in the past. So ABA is amazing um, and I love it and it's my passion. Um, but definitely if you'd like to learn more, feel free. We can talk about it on the side or you can go back into the morning sessions and, and check it out some more too. Um, Gail, I think if you wanted to go ahead and skip all the way down to, um, let's see, just to go right to the ABA and school collaboration, maybe we can jump right in there. Um, as you're going through that, well, you got there fast. Um, oh, uh, last thing I was going to say, no, you're good. Stay there. Stay there. Um, I was going to say, as far as a par goes for, you know, as you're watching this too, um, one thing that we really um, try hard to do is collaborate with all providers. So um, we are an ABA facility or a center um, or company, whatever word you want to throw in there. Um, but we also have a relationship with a speech and language um, company as well as an occupational therapy company who we welcome in and work with our kiddos um, in our center as well as in their homes. Um, and then also those families that join us that are receiving those therapies, but from other providers, those providers are also welcome to come into our center and provide those um, those therapies. You know, we know scheduling is insane, especially when you have, you know, all parents are working in the family and just trying to have every kid at different appointments all day long and different extracurriculars. So um, that's one thing we really try to help our families out. Um, the other thing, we were doing some extracurriculars pre-COVID. Um, we had a a class for kind of like a gross motor skills class, um, but um, we decided to put that on hold because the person teaching it was going to multiple preschools. So we wanted to put that on hold to 
um, throughout the COVID season, I guess we can call it that. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to um, bring all those fun things like ballet and maybe soccer class and gross motor skills or gymnastics, all those things back in the very near future for our kids. Um, so without further ado, the collaboration part of it, um, one of the things that we work very closely with are, are specifically for school age kiddos are those families that are school age and helping them um, prepare for their arts, looking through goals if wanted, um, you know, giving them some education or resources at least to go, you know, this is where you can find this information. Um, but I think, you know, actually allowing the schools allowing us and parents bringing us to their art meetings are is just really the first step of that collaboration period. Um, it's getting us to meet each other and see, you know, what page we're all on and make sure that we all are on the same page of what the child needs to do and to learn in order to be the, their most successful self in all environments. Um, so these are some things that, you know, these are all the things that school teaches as well as ABA teaches. The biggest difference is that we teach them a little bit differently. Um, you know, because ABA is one-on-one, -on -one, we can really hone in on individual things every moment that child is with us. Whereas a school, there's gather kids around, not every child um, is suited for one-on-one -on -one based on art recommendations and things like that, which is fine. Um, so there, all these little intricate things aren't always available 100% of the time with that child. Um, but these are all the things we all want. We all want them to have a functional communication system. We all need them to be able to tell them what our needs are or what their needs are and how to get their needs met. Um, the adaptive living skills that goes from itty bitties all the way up to adults. Um, they need to learn all those things. So all the these skills listed on this slide are all very important things um, to round out a child's education and medical needs and the ABA part of it too. Um, the biggest thing, we want the same positive outcomes. We want to see that progress. Um, and of course, we want what's best for, for that child that we're working with. Um, go ahead, Gail. So some ways um, I wish, well, Carrie, for those watching now, Carrie did an amazing um, explanation of this slide actually prior to the slide popping up in the morning. So definitely, you know, make sure you watch that. But the biggest thing in the school collaboration part is, like I said, us being a part of the arts, us meeting the teachers, and I say us as BCBAs, but meeting the teachers, having the teachers meet us, um, and doing training back and forth. The more that we can train each other, the more educated we are together. Um, and the better outcomes we have for our kiddos as well. Um, it would be great, you know, to have some type of observation, whether the teacher come to, um, to our center or we go to their center, anything like that, I think is wonderful and definitely needed um, for all of our families um, and for any kiddo that's in, in the school systems. Um, go, Gail, can you go back to 19? Sorry, you went backwards. Oh, did I? oh, sorry. Oh, wait. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, let's see. Um, monthly progress meetings are important too. Um, one thing that we really try hard is when we're working with teachers is try to have those meetings monthly um, or even quarterly, whatever we need to do, but actually really meet with those teachers and see, okay, how's he doing in this skill? How's he doing in that skill? Um, and, you know, making sure that progress is being made. Um, in this last line, trust and believe in each other as experts. We both, you know, a BCBA and a teacher are taught in different ways. They're taught different skills. We have different um, pieces that we can all bring to the table to help everybody in um, everybody in all classrooms, not just that one child. 
Um, but the more we can work together and believe in each other, the better that collaboration is going to be. Um, when we collaborate, of course, the fidelity and social validity of our interventions are working. So it's showing, okay, yes, this does work in all different environments. Um, it, I'm able to replicate it in the clinic as well as in the home, as well as in the school. And we're able to really see that data piece of it and make sure that we're doing those data-driven decisions. Um, and again, going back to all the same page, we're all teaching the same things. Um, we're not having um, you know, a behavior plan that's one person saying, yes, you can do these things. And the other person saying, no, you can't do these things. You have to do this instead. Um, so making sure everything and everybody is on the, the right page. Go ahead, Gail. So these are benefits of school and ABA um, and not necessarily together, but in separate instances. Um, but for this talk, instead of going through individual, I wanted to talk about how together we could be even better. Um, again, the collaboration part is where it all starts, but um, you know, specifically in the school setting, um, there are a lot of different ABA principles that we could put into place through teaching and that are in place as well already, um, but maybe it's tweaking it for a kid here or there. Um, a lot of school districts are now hiring their own um, BCBAs or board certified behavior analysts to help in these um, situations and help with those special education kiddos as well as general education um, students. Um, but you know, some of those things might be a different type of reinforcement system for the kiddos, um, a stronger functional, functional communication system. Um, we, you know, unfortunately we get um, a lot of, um, of kiddos that come to us that are five, six, seven years old that don't have a way to communicate, that they all they know is to point or pull mom and dad or to cry for something. And that's the first thing that we work on and um, is teaching them, whether it's through a PEX um, book or whether it's through an augmentative communication device and um, you know with the iPad and Proloquel, whatever those things are. Um, the schools work on that as well. Um, having you know some type of ABA intervention with that will also increase um, the number of times they're using it and things like that too. Um, there's just so much um, that we can also, the school can bring to us as well. Um, unfortunately in the center, in an ABA center, we're not allowed to work on educational skills technically because it's a medical necessity um, through insurance. So we do have to be careful how we work on those skills, but you know, a child having trouble sitting and doing their work for more than five minutes at a time when it's appropriate, those are the skills that we can work on are those compliance things and how we can get that um, student to work longer if needed or complete a full page worksheet versus just two problems, things like that. So um, all of those things are definitely things that we could collaborate together in the school too. Um, go ahead, Gail. So when we work together, um, greatness happens, right? Um, we see hopefully that expedited progress. We see those kids making the progress faster than they would if they're just in the school or just in ABA because everywhere they go, they're having the same expectations and they're learning the same things. Um, again, the generalization, not just in the center or not just in school, but at home, in restaurants, in stores, walking down the street, um, at a friend's house during social engagement, things like that. You're seeing that child be able to do these skills across all environments. Um, we're learning from each other. I talked about it a few minutes ago, but really we should, we're all learners. We should never stop learning, right? So even as an adult, we're still learning. Y'all are here learning about your, you know, your kids and different things to do in ARD meetings. Um, Gail and I learn every day through our own kiddos too and through research that we're doing to put these presentations together for y'all. 
Um, but we're all learners and we should never stop learning. So the more that we can work together as professionals, the better it is on both ends. Um, I talk about the medical and educational need, making sure we hit both ends of it on each, um, each side, school and ABA. Um, and then again, most importantly, we've got a happy kid, happy family, happy teacher, happy life, right? Um, so we, you know, that's our goal is to make sure everybody's happy and safe and enjoying their time um, and learning. So um, I think that's the last slide, right? Yeah, great. And of course, everyone, uh, please feel free to ask questions. Amanda's gonna have a lot of comments as we go through the, the slides. We'll, we're gonna do a quick review here of where we were this morning for two and a half hours, which is gonna be recorded. Well, which, which is recorded and will be archived and shared with you. Um, so as many of us are dealing, many of you have younger children now, um, and uh, mine is used to be. <laughs> um, so, uh, they keep growing, don't they? <laughs> oh, let's just talk a, a bit about rights law. That's worth the stop. Um, .com, rightslaw.com. And many of us have been to his workshop. It's a father-mother um, combination with a child and they're both attorneys and they've written books. Um, there'll be a link in the notes, the show notes uh, from the first session from Carrie uh, from the ARC. Um, I started paying more attention to the law, the first art I woke up to, and uh, it's uh, section seven is where they can put your child, they have a legal right to put your child in more isolation than you might want. Um, we, we, we refer back to rights law as we go through our slides here. Um, they, you'll also find it, their website, a lot of um, this technical vocabulary. So forgive me here as I just cursor through this. If you see that red up in the top left-hand corner, that's a page out of the parent presentations that I have made over the years for John. I showed you all the covers at the very, very beginning. We're talking about the law there with IDEA and ADA, which affords your children some legal protections, um, at least through their um, K through 12. And let me back up here a second. This was also a page that we had put in. And if I, I quoted the, the law down in the purple, um, these ideas, are just ideas for you. It's what my world has grown into. Um, and as I talk with parents throughout the day, um, just uh, does it serve you or not? I'll be glad to share the whole thing with you and you can copy bits and pieces, poach whatever you wish, but adapt it to your child, to your family, what you specifically need. The reason this slide's in here is because rights law, one of the key points is that we want the LEA, the local education authority, the school, to see you coming and go, awesome, here comes a great set of parents, a great family. We want them to be flies that are attracted to your honey, not uh, repelled by your vinegar, right? Or my vinegar. So we want to always, um, and we, we talked about all of these slides in the first session, uh, the um, uh, the reactions of us all as we interact, the psychology, what to do with an ARD, how does ABA applied work, who do we learn from each other. Um, this is another page in the parent presentation as you look forward. You look to where you want your child to be, particularly when you're not going to be here anymore. And then you work backwards. So Usha, who has spoken about some of her goals, her son's four years older than my son. I'm adapting some of her ideas into uh, the parent presentation for John as time goes by. 
um, specifically on a test that he needs to be able to pass for going on to college. So um, this is also another page in the presentation. Keep in mind that you do have the legal right to present at the, typically they'll put you there, they have the legal right to put you at the end of the yard after you've been through the, you know, the arduous hours or, or, or page after page after page of their legal words, which decimate us as parents, our shame, our fear, our worry, um, our hair on fire kind of builds up and you just, you kind of glaze over. It's the wrong time to glaze over. <laughs> you get to wordsmith your, your legal federal document. And so be on your tippy toes, the best you can be the most alert when you're going through the ARD. Um, it's your chance to change words. It's your chance to say, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean by that? Um, I woke up when I saw section seven, code 44. Are you kidding me? And then that started me in a whole new world. Um, these are a variety of ideas um, that are within um, earlier pa parent presentations. Our goal is to get to my most recent one uh, for John, a two hour ARD I had last week. How I do, have done these over the years, the first year I was awake was 89 pages in a PowerPoint. Not saying that has to be yours. Um, my, I was just really mad. <laughs> And, and I thought, I've wasted these years. I can't do that. What have I done to my poor kid? Um, I'm all he's got kind of stuff, you know, overreacting a little bit. And then as the years have gone by, I've just documented everything. We put it, I tell them to please put it into the deliberations. And then I put the new stuff in the front. The old stuff goes to the back with a behind the appendix page. And so everything is there, the whole history, if they want. Everything is there. The pages of, and the photographs. Now I've, I've blacklined these guys because we're here and this is in public, but I'll put the real pictures. I'll get the real letters from all the places academically that he's been. My case, my, the sales pitch to them is not what I want. Who cares? They don't care. But what best serves your child's learning strengths? So when you go, and this is again, if you see the red example up in the top left-hand corner, that, that these are ways that, that I have over the years tried to show the school, the LEA, how, the yard committee, how we are implementing all of the, 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 the law, the ABA ideas, all the years that we've had of that, the ABA that goes on every day in John's life, I just don't call it ABA anymore. It's applied, kind of like ABA 2.0, you know, mm. if you just like to speak of it that way that it's um, ever more um, able to exist in chaos because the randomness of the world, the randomness of, of, of life for our kids as they grow up, to move them past the um, concreteness into um, uh, fluidity, into abstract. So that means that it's no longer a token, it's a, so what do you wanna to earn tonight? And then, oh, where do you want to go with your life? We're trying to help our kids move forward. So I'm always mixing it up on John. He never gets a chance to just have a nice, easy rut filled day, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, and then, so, but that's an evolving child based on his individual intrinsic motivation factors. You know, we hope what your child's motivation factors are. Um, they're all going to be different, right? So, my attempt in showing you these pages here, besides trying not to put you to sleep, is that here's some things that might work in your presentation. 
And then this whole thing about our kids maybe don't care about showing off for an IQ test. My kid doesn't. I tell the school, okay, if you want to go and get the best out of John, even though you're trying to nail down butter at this point, um, get some cute girls in there. Okay. Get them so he can get a chance to show off. And they say, I'm sorry, can't do that, Gail. It's like, well, okay, fine. You can, let's look at alternate assessment means then. All right. And then we always want to share, remind them. These are great words for you to embed in your vocabulary. Curricular LRE, best practices. We'll get to Oton Gillingham. Um, a lot of other words that will just make them wonder, make them at the school system go, hmm, I wonder if maybe I should have a little bit more respect for this family. Maybe they're talking to a lawyer. Maybe they're doing better research, right? We want them to have the most respect for you. And our goal for you is that eventually just you can take on the whole, the whole system there and you, because you know your child, you know the law, you know examples, you know collaboration skills, you have humorous redirects, you own it. That's our goal is that you own this process with your child, get your kid engaged with it, have them take responsibility for it, involve them in the process, right? Um, these are just some pages. Like in this case here, I had to say something difficult, hard, I'm, I'm a nice guy. It's hard for me to say something hardball to the in the yard. So I put it on the page. The page goes on the wall. So there's their word to me. This was second session. We came back. I boxed it in. I wrote what I had to say. And then I put some law down in there. And when we, we got through a sticky wicket. There's sticky wickets, right? Um, things that are hard to communicate, but we have to say it because otherwise then we live with, um, I called it buyer's remorse. You, you rush to the end, you're glazed over, you feel shame, you say, okay, fine, I'll just sign it, get it over with. And then you go home and you go, oh man, what'd I do? And so don't do that. Say, I might, this, you've given me a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. Um, let, me, let me think about this overnight. Let me go talk to a couple of friends, some educator friends of mine. We'll get back to you. And then reschedule it for another time. Do not let their organization's need for efficiency speed you faster than you're ready to sign, okay? You have, you have, you have say-so in that. Now, this is another typical page. I've blackened it out so you can't to protect the, the kids' privacy, but I take these pictures from our life and I, I talk about motivators. Talk to them about what motivates their, your child, right? Because you're, you're dealing with a whole room full of people there that you want to know their motivators as educators, as trying not to rock the boat. Or yes, you, like they, the teachers accused me of rocking the boat. And I said, um, but I'm going to be charming. And they said, oh yes, you're very charming. But yeah, you have to be okay with the fact that you're in a business negotiation. You're just going to have to own that, okay? And, and then show it back to them because they're not going to know the kid you know. They'll know your kid when they're in their world, but they don't know what you know about them. And you are the expert on your child. So show that. Make, it, make the sales pitch. Get the letters of recommend, recommendation. Get the photographs and explain what they are. And I put them in there. You can see how I'm kind of just going through this speedily. Put your kid's name in there. I've blackened it out or reduced the font. The idea here is that you show multidimensionally your child, 3D, 4D, 5D, whatever it takes so that they can really, and, and if the child comes into the yard too, that's great. Maybe it's just a picture of them in the very early years. That's how we started. Okay. And, and, and talk about the, in this case here, this was a page in it too. 
of the benefits of curricular. So I'm a big fan of academics because my kid gets too many services. Curricular, academic, right? I use that word constantly with them. LRE, least restrictive environment. We skipped over a lot of vocabulary. You can catch up on that later or listen to session one. Um, some more resources for you. Um, ask them the hard questions, even if you have to put it on paper. This was a page in session two, three, um, and eventually we settled in four. Um, so that was a, a four different session or the first year because mom was mad. And I wasted 45 minutes on the front end because I just sat there and vibrated instead of was very instead of wordsmithing with them. So I had to apologize and fess up and then had to go back and do a better job of each chance to, to edit. That's your chance to do that and take good notes because just just because and double check them right when you get that final output at the end of the of the session go back and make sure that what you all agree to is are the letters that got on the page because it's not always all right this is the page in, in it um i talked about it at, in first session and all of these are also just to give you an idea now keep in mind i've picked randomly from four years and i'm going to show you later on the fifth year the most recent and that might be something that you aspire to eventually with um, as your child as they grow older. I'm always listening to parents who are ahead of me, whose kids are ahead of John. Um, um, Amanda, is, is there anything you'd like to add at this point or any parent that would like to come on and ask a question? I was just going to say one thing, Gil, I know from being in arts, it's always um, the right wording of like not, and I don't even know the right wording, but like you said, you don't have to sign it that day. Like you can get up and say, hold on, I need to think more about it. Like tabling the art, things like that. Do you have a good like one-liner for the parents to say, to get their point across in that way, like very professionally and politely too, rather than like, nope, I'm done. How, how I might be as a parent at times. Right, yeah, don't do what I did the first year. Um, yeah. But instead, um, we're, I showed you the slide of the honey and the vinegar, right? And so, they respond to humor and appreciation just like you do, right? Just like our kids do. So I would say, and I'm a humorous person, and I would say, wow, that's a lot to think about. Thank you. Um, I'll get back to you. Um, let me think about it overnight. Let me uh, talk to, uh, at the time, if his dad was still alive, I could say that. I, I, don't, I cannot say that now. Um, so I would say, number one, thankfulness, appreciation. Wow. Um, smile and say, obviously, you've given me a lot to think about, right? And I'll get back to you, and then maybe see if they want to set a time. They'll have to re bring in all the, the chiefs and Indians back again, right? And so there, it actually kind of makes them more invested in your process. It actually gives them a little bit more respect for you when you're not get, getting buffaloed into or rushed into signing. Um, you don't have to belabor that, but um, I think just some simple uh, appreciation Acknowledgement. Wow. I'm kind of overwhelmed. There's a lot to think about. It's a really important thing, isn't it? Now they're going to have to say, yes, this is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. And then just assume we're rescheduling and, and then see what they say about the time and date. The other thing too, um, Gil, in the morning, we talked about the date range of how they have to provide you the goals and the draft are prior to the meeting. And I think we had said, it actually says three days, but a lot of times they'll do five days too, or you can request up to something like that. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. Nobody tells you. In fact, nobody really tells you you can do a parent presentation. So I'll repeat what we talked briefly about. I'll briefly repeat now what we spent more time on in first session because it's an absolutely good point, Amanda. Um, they don't tell you, but you are legally entitled to and should take um, before you sign your opportunity to present to them. It's not your rebuttal. It's your version of your perspective as a parent your goals for the child. They have their goals, which are probably more toward the de minimis, we use that word. Um, as a parent, I want the most for my kid and sometimes the organization that we're uh, with, they might go for the, it's Latin. It comes from the Supreme Court case and it's um, de minimis, which is, they said, don't let your child be stuck with the minimum. So it's a great word to sprinkle in your vocabulary. I put it in my parent presentation, D-E-M-I-N-I-M-U-S, de minimis, but not de minimis. So just let them know you're following the Supreme Court. Let them know, you know, a little Latin, you know, um, again, more respect for you, which they should already have, but uh, they don't know you yet, right? So you're educating them on how you, what your boundaries are. And they also, again, to repeat, they won't care what you want, but they do have to conform to, and they, and as educators, most of them are really good people. They're just get stuck sometimes with a bad employer. They all will, will want for all of their reasons to support the child, support your child in their best learning structure, the most a positive way that your child learns. The more words, the more teacher words you can give them, great. If you want a list of them, myself, Carrie, who was with us earlier today, Amanda, we can give you all kinds of, of, of fancy words. You also can just speak from your heart, the, the, the way in which your child thrives. What is that? Tell them, that's your legal right. Now, Carrie said three, I have always tried to do five. They should give to me, um, their preliminary documentation five days prior, five working days prior. And it, it's, I've always wondered why it was skimpy. And Carrie said it earlier today is that if they provided everything to me, then I would know they had already predetermined the whole plan. That's illegal. And whenever I've come up against something that makes me really mad, I'll say, hmm, and I learned this from Karen Meyer Cunningham and a little bit also from Robin Reddy and, of course, Rights Law and all the co conferences and books and conversations over the years. But if you get stuck into a situation and you're furious and you're vibrating, you can, if you, if you can type it on the page, great. If you have to say it out loud, try to calm yourself and say, hmm, what is, um, what is your documentation to prove your point? Or you can say, hmm. It looks like there's been a predetermination made. Hmm, that's illegal. I, on my last ARD for John, I had to say, typed it. It would be illegal if I don't say you're doing an illegal thing. Although I have been telling that them in my situation for years, they've been denying curricular LRE, but I'm not, I'm gonna be using the honey, not the vinegar. And so I'm gonna say, it would be illegal if John were denied blah, blah, blah. Um, if there's been a pre, it looks like there's been a predetermination made. I'm not accusing you of a predetermination, which is a legal thing, but that's why I don't get all of their scoop, the, the, the full uh, time in advance, because then it would be obvious. I'm going to give them my parent presentation at least five working days prior to the yard. 
Um, and when I failed to do that, I thought of something the day before, typed up one more page, sent it to them and said, please add this to the deliberations. It was like, they said, wow, you only, you didn't give us any time. And I thought, oh, well, you're paying attention. That's great. So, and as the years have gone by, they know I'm going to stick to John, stick to the boundaries for John. So they've actually let me go first sometimes instead of last, which is great. Um, I think that's, they, they just, you know, wanted to get it wrapped up. So whichever, but you get a chance to say what you need to say and do not leave any stone unturned, but you also do not have to belabor the point. Be succinct. It's like your very best work at work marketing plan. All right. Um, five days or three days depends on who you're, I play it safe. So I do five and I, I respond in kind. And, um, so, um, I know they're going to predetermine. That's okay. I'm just going to make sure that it's to John's learning strengths to his advantage. Okay. So now this page, I've stayed on it because once, so round one came and went, we're on round two. And there was something that John was getting the wrong kind of modeling. Now in our family, John gets too many services. So he's in specialized instruction almost all the time. And it, just electives is not enough for neurotypical peer role modeling because he is so motivated by that and wanting to show off for his peers. So when they talk about social skills and they they put those words, you see the, that word that's highlighted in there? I'm not gonna say it out loud, but it's, it's on the, the page. And um, that's not okay. Now, John does not have a BIP, a behavioral and uh, um, uh, uh, BIP, behavioral um, uh, 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 intervention plan. You're right. Right. Um, I've been told by a teacher in his early years that you don't want to have that unless you have to. It's a red flag to the school. So we have avoided having that. And in fact, we try to avoid anything that lends a bias toward toward John and his learning there. So be careful for that. All right. Keep that in your mind. You don't want to bias them against your child. Hey, bias them for toward positive toward your kid all day long, but not accidentally against. Right. So in this case here with the behavior, I said, well, and we had a conversation about why this was happening and it really bothered them. And they've um, uh, we've uh, it, let me just skip past that there. So um, uh, anyway, that was a good but it was a great way to get their attention on neurotypical peer role modeling. It's just like, yeah, man, in our house, it's monkey see, monkey do baby cakes. It's, if he doesn't see what it's supposed to look like, he's not going to do it. Um, we, we make a big push on transportation. And I talked about that session one, um, music, how important music is the fine arts. You can have opportunity for your child as they come up through the ranks, the closer they get to high school, maybe the more specialized these skills have to be. But in the very early years, many of you are all like in elementary or not even there yet. So explore all the fine arts, the choir Let me, back here. I mean, John made some good choices, showed mom he could sing. Mom didn't even know he could sing. Um, and then he got a chance to participate in choir and in band and so much benefit to him and proving by in all those hours that he his behavior could be great. So it, it just really sent a good message to the school, right? And, and that's what you want for your child too. You want them to say, hey, awesome, great kid, great opportunity, good stretching. And I, I talk about this all the time is that you always want to fade your prompt. I want to fade away. I want to fade away. So basically John becomes my kid, your kid. They become responsible for all their own choices. The older they get, the more naturally they're gonna want you in the background 
They want to know you're still there. They love you, need you forever. But you know what? They are wired to want to become ever more independent. So let them, right? Short of broken bones and short of bleeding, but let them have that. We talked about this. So I, I'm again, I'm just going through a cursory view here. If you all have any questions about these activities, I'm using the big words in the slide. I'm not going to whack them over the head with it because they are teachers and OTs and therapists and they already know these words. I want them to know that I know them. <laughs> and so they all have application into academics and into where our kids are going, right? So learn, excuse me, to pick up some of this vocabulary, practice it in front of the mirror. I do that. I did that a lot. Get, so, get to the point where you can say curricular LRE, just boom, off the top of your head, off the top of your head. Don't say school, say LEA, Local Education Authority. They'll, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so I think this is about where we left off session one. Um, my point in bringing this to their attention, and these are all pages from uh, our from John's Power pres parent presentation over the years. There's academics. Yes, we're in rising puberty. Yes, this is a birds and the bees kind of a book, but it's just mom and son right now. That's that's how he's learning, if not from books, if not from friends, if not from the internet. So. We'll, we're, we're having, we do this in the car as we're going to and from sessions. We're really working on the trigeminal with the, the oral motor and the braces. All of this works toward academics. And I want them to know in all phases of his life, when you all don't see him, this is how we're prepping him, preparing him, how he's preparing himself to come into school and have good joint attention and to be the kind of student that y'all welcome. We, we, we went to Sunday school. So he was looking up passages and he was reading. These are all the outside activities that we've had. Now each year I update it, right? So the PowerPoint now is up to 200 and something pages and I only make them look at the current year stuff. That would be cruel to make them go look at the old stuff, but it's right there. Just keep clicking pages and boom, it's right behind the appendix in reverse order by year. So these are, I list what we've been doing. And if you start making a list of what you're doing with your child, I think you'll be really amazed um, at all that it applies toward the school, even if you think it doesn't. If you're having conversations, family around the supper table, or even in a movie, you're stopping and you're explaining something, or there's something that happens in the neighborhood or on the street or in the car that relates to academics or relates to preparation or relates to anything OT kind of stuff, right? Make a note, put it in here and let them know. If, are you paying attention to their immune system? Are you paying attention to their spiritual growth? That all fits into academics too. All right, John was wild to get braces because his peers are, you know, not as uh, um, not the uh, neurally diverse peers, but the neurotypical peers, right? Neural brain. So if the kids have a brain that's wired like in a, a normal, typical child, neurotypical. If you're wired with some variation, something different, John is, oh dear, in every direction, neurodiverse, neurodiversity. And so this kid wanted braces and band said, hey, don't do it over spring break. And we did it over spring break because he's percussion, not, you know, he's not using his mouth in band. And then boom, COVID hit. So we went ahead and put the braces on and he's been working on it ever since. It does relate to the trigeminal nerve and to oral motor. Um, and so I'm bringing that into them at, with the academics and the tolerance and not complaining and wanting. What does your child want from school? 
All right. You have the right to talk about what intrinsically motivates your child, not what you want. They don't care. But what does your child, what is your child motivated by? Where are they going with their life? We talked a lot about preparing the child for workplace, right? And for it, it, we call it backward chaining. In business, you call it critical path analysis. You go with, okay, here at the end, the goal is John lives a good life when Gail's dead. All right, so let's start working backwards. What's that going to look like, right? And so some of it might be um, uh, what kind of testing that he need to be able to be admitted into junior college, um, independence in, in where he lives, being able to do chores, uh, get around, transportation, have friends, have a family, a relationship, raise children, whatever those things are, that goes in your parent presentation. And then you start to work backwards. They need to be your partner in all of that. Okay. So I think I may have showed you this earlier where I skimmed over it. These are some of the, the words and the activities that we've used in really great occupational therapy, all toward three-dimensional being at peace in his skin, which allows him to sit and have joint attention in the classroom, to be able to get on and off the bus, to go in and out of social situations. He went um, with a bunch of neurotypicals last night, ice skating, got home about bedtime. Um, happy go lucky, great kid. Didn't have a list that day. I'm big on chores and a kid list. He came home. It was all scot free kind of night. He was happy. There was no cognitive load. <laughs> this morning, he gave me all kinds of parent trouble. And I wrote a post about it. And we're going to be fine. But it's it's there. The older they get, they get the more they want what they want. And so then now we got to be as parents really clever about how we stay half a step ahead of them how we use other resources to be ready or to, uh, to try to understand them. I need to acknowledge him. And every time he tells me, mom, I don't want to be with you. I want to be with dad. And I got to say, okay, um, I bet you, um, I bet you do. Would you like a hug? I'm so sorry. And you know, babe, once somebody goes to heaven, they don't come back. And um, anyway, we, so emotional well-being, mental health, COVID, isolation, your isolation, you're all double, doing triple duty right now. You're working and trying to manage, listen to this and think ahead and, and all the other pieces that's going on in your heart, soul, and mind right now. So everybody's under strain. And then it's over here on the right-hand side are some words that you can use. What is this thing called executive functioning? We can talk more about it if you want. That's actually about a 15, 20 minute conversation. What's working memory? How does that fit together? What's phonetic awareness? What's all these dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia stuff? Well, short form, it means my brain has trouble reading, retelling the story. My brain has trouble writing. My brain has trouble with math. Okay, so how we how do we gonna how are we gonna handle that with the with the school? Given that they've got lots of problems, they're trying to work through too. And this is where the collaboration and the teamwork comes in. Amanda, something else you'd like to add? No. no, I think, no, I think that's all. I think you got it. Okay. So yeah. I also talk, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So I also let them know we're paying attention to mental health. This is great. Um, I, I think, I think you should do that. Consider that too, the mental well-being. So we have social modeling that I don't depend just, John doesn't depend just on the school situation for neurotypical peer modeling. And we also are paying attention to, to dad passing on into heaven. And I want them to know that. Now, that's a little awkward. Um, and we talked about dad's um, terminal disease when he was in the room and it wasn't really so easy to do, but relevant and important. 
Okay. Now we have a sticky issue. We'll talk more about that if we get on to the um, uh, into the, the the current ARG. But there is something that's going on right now that is um, wrong and it's illegal. And they've been getting away with it all this time. And it looks like I'm going to have to. Well, we are. I've been talking to them about it for years, and now it's time to keep on with the meetings. And it's now. Time is now. We have to fix this issue. So we. I think we've got good cooperation. Um, I had to say the hard things on paper, and then I've had to say the hard things in person. Wasn't my favorite, but I've had years of practice saying hard things. So. Um, uh, just, just to know that if you go through a sticky year now and the kids just, you know, kinder or pre-K, it won't go away. Our kids, we used the word earlier, comorbid. If our kids have neurodiversity or behavior diversity, it's not like there's just one little tiny thing we're going to tweak, slap a bandaid on that baby and everything's back to normal like everybody else is. Our kids are different and they have a purpose for being different. Now, I admit to being a spiritual person. I said this first session. I never wonder what I'm supposed to be doing with my day-to-day. -day. I've got two kids that put me into very unique situations with gender and mental health and this kind of learner and the opposite kind of learner. I got two opposite kind of kids where they're both headed, they're dragging me along with them, but it's going to be okay. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed at them. And uh, they're my heroes. <laughs> so, and I tell them that all the time, you guys are my true heroes. So embrace it. Yes, it's hard. And Usha and I were talking about this earlier. Yes, we, we, we get tired. Yeah, too bad. How sad. Alma would say, Emma Leota, one of the best OTs we've ever had. She was assigned to us when as a two-year-old evaluation at Texas Children's and tough as a, but a sweetheart. And she said, how sad, too bad. I validate you, but hey, too bad, we're going to do it. And so in my redirects with John, I'll say, I'll validate his feelings. However, <laughs> we're going to do this. That's the boundary. And we talked a lot about this earlier session too. So anyway, don't try not to lament that it that it all the issues don't go away. It's your mission. You've got a mission <laughs> and your kids got a mission and a purpose. And we're we're all um, pathfinders right now. Okay. You want to have a to-do list. Um, I'm gonna add with Usha's and Carrie's help, I'm gonna add, make sure you pass the TSI. <laughs> To get in, um, I need to be more specific. So right goals are measurable. So I need to add one more thing. We always learn from each other. And this is in the parent presentation. Same thing here. Put your kid's name in or adapt the pages any way you wish. These are merely ideas. These are merely what I do. Um, and maybe it will serve you and your family somehow. All of these pages are in there. And maybe it's a little bit repetitive, but I want to make sure they hear it. And Thank you. Can you go back to what I'm, I don't know the answer to this one, but what is the TSI y'all said? I missed that this morning, I think. Yeah, uh, so there's a test that you have to pass if you want to get into college and Lone Star College requires it. Oh. Texas uh, standard something, um, TSI. It's like um, the SAT, The there's a pre-SAT, there's all these tests that let you into certain opportunities, right? Like right. if you're taking your master's, there's the GED. Well, the TSA is a test that if you're local, and many of us are talking in the greater Houston area here, so we care about Lone Star and HCC. Mm -hmm. Right, so right. It is a, it's a, it's a gar uh, gatekeeper. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is it just 
public schools that have to take it, or if it was a you know child going through private school with special ed services, would they need to also take it? Well, that brings up a really good side point to that. And if you parents want to chime in on that, let me know. But many of my friends who have been homeschooling their child because to get the kid back in the flow of public education, to be able to be back in the flow, to be acceptable and to pass the TSI or the other tests, um, you know, like I said, the SAT, some of the colleges are starting to realize that you can't necessarily be a score on a grade on a test. So the SAT is not as important as the whole life of the child. But for our region here, if John wants to go to um, uh, Lone Star College, junior college system, HCC uh, junior college system, he has to pass the test as the rules stand now. Will they evolve in future years? Perhaps. Will we eventually see the No Child Left Behind evolve, it's already evolved into ESSA and it might continue to evolve, but you're looking at whatever rules stand now that may or not change, but may or but may keep your child from what you want, what they want for themselves later. So that's the best I know how to say, will the TSI still be a gatekeeper for John in four years? Don't know, because that's a, that's a law thing there. Uh, I think uh, TSI, if you do not have SAT or SCT, then uh, it's uh, like an entrance test and it and they base the class accordingly, like, you know, what class they have to take. For like, um, yeah. yeah. So um, it, it I, I bet it will still be with us. Yes. So I gotta, I'm going to have to do more research on that. Thanks, Usha. <laughs> mm-hmm. And our, the IQ is not the end all. A, a test grade from the SAT is not the end all. I'll put research in to show them that. There's the link, y'all, you know, when I'm talking to the LEA. They already know it, but you see quick, it, quick and dirty, quick and quick and fast, they like because it's just quick, right? And they're, they're trying to pump all the yards through. They got a schedule to keep. Well, that's not my problem, you know. Um, anyway, there's research for you there. Here's a page out of ours. Um, oh, this is okay. This is where we basically kind of stopped from first session. So I say this all the time to parents, please use this in your vocabulary and quit saying other things, quit saying all those hedge words and, and quit giving stuff away and quit feeling quit. Do not feel shame about asking. I don't understand that. Could you please explain it? Feel pride that you have the, the, the tenacity to say, I don't quite understand that. Could you please explain it? It worked great. I played a little bit dumb on our last art and we went back through it all. It was great. I needed that review. They needed that review. They wanted me to say, oh yeah, I read everything that you didn't send me and we can just move right on. And I was, uh, 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 and so they went back and reviewed. Awesome. That's what I wanted them to do. I should have been prepared more for that. I mean, things catch us all off guard all the time. So you don't have to be perfect. Not your job to be perfect. Your job is to be thorough for your child. Please add this to to the deliberations. Please add every conversation we have. Everything is going to be documented with a time and a who and a when and a and how are we going to assess it and who's going to be um, held accountable. Always do that. If you say it in the air and it just flies off, that's about as nailed down as you got. So don't do that. Um, use a law and horse trade. Well, I, I said play poker earlier. 
I'll, I'll kind of give and take a little bit. It depends. I want them to know I'm being cooperative and that I understand and I validate and I confirm that they're dealing with a lot. They're dealing with COVID. They're dealing with a lot of teacher head games that are going on, teacher mental health, too many helicopter parents, kids who aren't doing their homework. And I know where John is. I tell them I'm under no illusions about where my child is academically because I'm working with him right over there in that room. And I, I know it. And I know I would not homeschool him. We would probably kill each other. So I need him to go to you <laughs> for him to be the best he can be, not with mom. So be charming, right? All right. And always to try to negotiate a win-win-win situation. They have quandaries. The LEA, the school has quandaries. Everybody's got them. I want them to consider, you want them to consider you a full collaborative partner. Okay. A parent statement. Where are we going? What do we want for John at the end? And a lot of these words are carefully, carefully chosen, specifically chosen. They're in the law. These words, um, Please feel free to quote this, all right? Um, uh, these are specific words. Have a specific mission statement for your child's life. Put that in the parent presentation. All right, now, <laughs> positive behavior, respect, appreciation, secret weapons. And so we talked, I ended the first session on um, what's the most important player in the room? Basically our attitudes, um, how we've trained our kid, our approach toward the LEA, are um, owning the process, not trying to lay it off on somebody else, being a full collaborative partner, being in the game, mindful, appreciative, not letting anything slide by. And that means holding your boundaries, tough love with your kid at home. Read my Facebook post this morning. He drug me over the coals, but you know, hey, <laughs> it's all a part. The kids, as they get older and more self-aware, they want what they want. Hey, don't we all? We're all that id-driven being. It's just, yes, but. <laughs> so just because they want it doesn't mean that it's going to be appropriate that they get it exactly that moment. Maybe there's delayed gratification engaged. Maybe they're going to have to learn to be patient. Maybe they need to learn more empathy for someone else. This is why parenting, as Carrie said, is the hardest job on the planet, right? You all know that. You have your stories. You just not you just don't have them here on the pages, but they're just as important and just as relevant. So share that with the LEA. What motivates your child? Know that, share that. We, we, we quote from movies all the time. Uh, one of the favorites is Inside Out. There's so much good stuff from that movie, um, relevant every day. And when I can use a movie quote as a humorous redirect with John, then it, it builds up his imagination. It builds up his social emotional learning. It builds up his peripheral IQ and he gets it like, oh yeah. So it's a social reference that he's gonna be able to continue to build and grow and use the rest of his life, as opposed to just a single phrase that sounds like mom nagging. So I'm always trying to, uh, early, first session, uh, uh, we talked about it, uh, Carrie and uh, Amanda did, about far transfer and near transfer. That's fancy teacher stuff for near means this is exactly how you do it. So ABA is near transfer. And far transfer is when you apply it like, okay, so yeah, you got this. This is a pencil. This is a pen thing, right? But you go over down the street, out to the store, over to the bank, to the grocery store, and you see a different form of writing utensil. So you change the exact situation, but you still use it to write stuff down. Far transfer. Okay. So what motivates your child? And here's some ideas. 
Um, you, this model was on first session. I could spend 30 minutes at least talking about this, but to try to boil it down to the least amount, your child is a learning machine, an immune system, methylation, detoxing, sensory integration, um, nine tubes of data coming in and out of the brain, going in and out of the body machine. You also have, each person has elements of self-directed learning. It could be, there's a lot of teacher words, pedagogy, andragogy, self-directed learning is the bridge in between. Good words to know, sprinkle them in your vocabulary when you're talking to the ISD, to the LEA. Um, we also have the behavior, the self-control, the self-regulation. Metacognition is the big fancy word. So the frog, meta, me, and I'm and metacognition is I'm thinking. So I'm thinking about my thinking. So as we help our kids realize self-control, self-regulation, I'll, I'll tell John, so watch the teacher, but match the little girls. I usually don't tell them to match the boys. We got enough going on with that. But um, so uh, let's say that he walks into a classroom. It's a pre-K classroom. And I want him, her, I want our children to realize, hey, nobody else is standing on top of their table. Maybe I should not be standing on the top of the table. Maybe I should be sitting down like all the other kids are. That's positive behavior redirects. That's metacognition. How were they motivated? Intrinsic? Are we bribing them? That's extrinsic. Here's a Skittle. Here's a cookie. What happens when they're on a sugar high and a run out of sugar, right? But ah, if it's intrinsic motivation, that means it comes from within. What's character? It's what you are, who you are when no one's looking, right? Intrinsic motivation is from within, how they feel about themselves, self-esteem a powerful tool for the rest of their lives you're helping them gain. Social emotional learning. There was a time we didn't use that phrasing, but now we do. People get paid to be the SEL coordinator to school. Yay. That means everything about neurotypical peer modeling. I, with the help of Donna Zelt years ago, we did this back in the very early dark days. Um, uh, based off of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 steps. Anyway, I, if we were having more time and we were together in the same room, you would each get to read one and we'd go round and round and round and you could comment on it. Um, the heart, I want to comment just on that for a moment. That comes from Alma Leota back in the very early days. If you think my hair's on fire right now, Lordy, you should have seen me back then. Um, but this is how Alma cooled me off. She could tell. She said, Mom, I can tell you're headed for the brick wall. Slow down, breathe. <gasps> she said, look, look at this as you. Here's all of your energy, your time, your money, your insurance, everything you've got. Okay, I want you to take, you should take half of that and do every single thing you can to help your child. You see how I went from, a, I turned it into a heart, right? She started off with a circle. Take half of everything that you got and do everything you can to help that child. Then take the other half of everything you've got and love them just as they are. So it's that equilibrium, it's that balance. It's that balance as a parent, as we figure out, okay, how do I let my child evolve into risk-taking and teach the school that, partner with the school on that, step back, fade my prompt, fade my prompt, give them more rope, give them more latitude. Yeah, ride the big kid bus. Yeah, go off to junior high and fail, it's okay. You didn't die, did you? Awesome. Take responsibility for that. What are we going to do next time? 
John and I talk all the time about, let's try again. Let's try again. And half of the times I'm apologizing to him and the other half he's apologizing, apologizing to me. We start over. So let's teach our kids resilience like that. Model that. I modeled that for him. And usually I have egg on my face and I feel horrible until I apologize. So it stops me from making a lot of mom bad choices because I'm thinking, wait a minute, Gail, hold on, cool off, bite your tongue, leave the room, count to 20, something, remove the audience because otherwise you're gonna be apologizing. Just step down, stand down. So here's some great books, two best books I could recommend. The Childhood Roots of Adult Happiness, super easy to read, super relevant. Facing Codependency, for every level in the family. I love those two books. You can read them, give them as Santa Claus gifts. They're great. Okay. We talked a little bit about mindful earlier. Um, we adults, we're just so full of our where we are and where we need to be and what we used to do and all that. But our kids really are more mindful and even our kiddos of neurodiversity Sometimes they can be ever more. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing in there, <laughs> but uh, I'm kidding. Um, the uh, grief and trauma sessions that I've been to, to prepare my to prepare for helping my kids is that if something really aw awful happens, Hurricane Harvey is an example, or something catastrophic happens. If the child is still struggling two months afterwards, it's time to get professional help. But up until that time, just listen. Don't try to sway them. Don't try to change their mind. Don't try to hurry them along toward anything. Just be there and listen to them. The mind, the reason talk therapy works so well is the mind pulls the thought out of chaos. And when it speaks it, it comes out into the sunshine. And then when it goes back in, it goes back in more carefully organized, more at peace. I can find it again. I know where it is because I know where I put it, right? As far as neural pathways, long-term memory, dendrites and things like that. So speaking about it without, without being judged, right? If you have something and you share that and somebody gives you a whole bunch of what you should have, could have, would have done, does it, doesn't it turn you off? Well, the same thing works with our kids, right? So if you want just to be heard, you want to be heard. And don't you always feel better? After you got a chance to just put it out there and nobody told you what you had to do, they just respectfully listened. They gave you the most precious thing there is, which is their joint attention. Some more resources for you on mindful. It fits into sensory integration in a very big way, in the flow, and then the, about the behaviors. And so what we do as educators is, um, teachers is sometimes we get so fixated on what where we're headed and what needs to be done is that we forget that the journey along the way is where the kids get the hope if we slap fear on them we don't slap them I, what i meant was if we layer fear on or we layer shame on then the journey is no fun and the whole point of learning toward mastery is the step by step by step piece okay not so much the report card. It's the daily coming and going and the daily choices. All right. So y'all have some questions. I'm going to unshare this if you would like to. I've, I've got more pages. You may be overwhelmed. Um, Amanda, here's your chance to talk. If anybody wishes to, we go. Here comes someone else. Awesome. Um, I will close on this last page here. I do also have the whole art. Not that you want to see it, but there's more pages for older kids. 
on the consequences. So if we can help your child gain confidence, usually we say con consequences is boogie boogie, right? But if we can help your child gain the confidence, the, the consequence of confidence and the consequence of self-pride and the consequence of joy, risk-taking, belonging, being respected, having self-control, being resilient, being poised. So if something bad happens, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you start all over again and it's okay, right? It fits into humility and humility is one of the most important characteristics we can have toward joy and peace. How does your kid feel about themselves? What's a natural consequence? What's an unintended, unintended consequence? And how can we help our children learn how to cope with that? Okay, so I'm gonna stop sharing. I'm gonna switch. This is your chance to come on and say anything you want. Ask questions. Hi, good afternoon. <laughs> oh, awesome, could we all, tell you what, would the rest of you like to come on? I'm gonna take advantage of the friendliness here from Janice. And I love to take a picture of us all waving. Is anybody else willing to come on? And I, this is our group picture. This is our chance for a group okay. picture, if y'all want. Come on, Usha, Sudhakar, you want to come and join and just give us a little wave here? Hi. Be surprised how, what a nice memento this is at the end. Okay, thank you. So y'all can speak and if you wanna see more or we just wanna talk about your kids. Amanda, you can say anything you want to. Anything at all. Oh, that's, that's a little bit too much for me to handle, Gail. Um, no, any questions that y'all have? I know we talked about age earlier today, or earlier today, but earlier in this talk. So I know most of y'all have younger kiddos. Um, any, um, I think everybody, I think everybody's been through an ARD process at least one time, correct? Or do we have any families that have not done an ARD? So the morning meeting I missed, Amanda. So. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so the morning I talked more about ABA and what, you know, what Apara does. Um, and then Gail, um, Gail did a pretty good recap of her stuff, but is, do you, have y'all, I can't remember, have y'all been through an actual art yet? Have y'all been through that process for what school? I have as an, hello, I, I'm new, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm very new, I'm new to Apara, I'm new to, to everything. However, I've been a school administrator for years and I've, um, gone through the art process with other people's kids, not my own child, but I'm very, very familiar with the, with the process with, on the administrative and right. side of the, of the art process. I'm not really sure about the, this process. Uh, yeah. Have y'all done any public school education or just the ABA? No, just the ABA. Okay. Okay. And remind me, how old is your... Four. She's four. Okay. Um, so yeah. So um, when typically, you know, there isn't an, a, isn't any APA, I guess that's a lot of words there. Um, then just before three years old, you would start talking with the public school. And then at three, they would start their evaluation for your child to see if they um, are, um, if they meet the criteria for an educational um, need, basically for whether it's autism or whether it's other health impairment. Um, What's the other one, non-categorical non something, Gail? The one that they use sometimes on the little kids before they say it's autism. 
Um, Other but, uh, experiments? Uh, yeah. yeah. So we went um, for evaluation last year. Uh, okay. Uh, we were in Houston last year and um, you know what, that was the last, I mean, the first day of the COVID, I supposed to put my son in the Houston ISD school for that uh, therapy, but you know, unfortunately, next day the COVID started, so all the right. lockdown. So, so that's the reason my son didn't go to public school. He was evaluated in Houston ISD. Yeah. Does Does your son have a diagnosis? Yes. In Houston. And, and um, you can actually start to. You said four years old. Yes. You can actually start to kind of get ready. You know, um, uh, I didn't wake up to how important the ARD process was until he was third grade, fourth grade. And then, um, uh, you know, uh, so please don't repeat that mistake. Um, and, and if you start from the beginning the right way, it won't be traumatic. Um, if you can usually, I, I hate to be stereotypical about this, but usually moms get more shame faster than dads get shame. I could be wrong. Um, try not to have any shame about it. Your, your child's done. Yeah, I don't have anything. I don't have any. Like as you said, mom, mom has, but I don't know. Yes, good. Because um, it works against us. You're yes. in a business deal. You're negotiating business arrangement. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry, can you repeat the program name again so that I can I can look into that? What is the name? But the whole process is the ARD. It's the Admission Review and Dismissal Committee. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and so that, and then within the ARD, there's all different types of papers, but the IEP is the individual, Individualized Education Plan. And that would be specifically for your child of all the individual things. Yes, um, yes. And so that's where you, you know, it, it said this is the placement for your child and that you went to, like you said, for a day or so. Yeah, and then yeah. COVID happened. Yes, yes. Um, Went, yes. Uh, yeah, and then every three years you'll do a new evaluation for your child um, mm -hmm. to see, you know, what are their needs. But every year you'll have a meeting around the same time that you had the current meeting. I cut mm -hmm. you off, Neil. I'm sorry. There's a lot of information available. Um, we did. Um, we tried to collate some basics of legal vocabulary, ABA application of the evolution of a child, childhood learning. Um, we made the joke first session that it's kind of like we're just grabbing the tips of all these icebergs because it's almost like eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? You got to take one bite at a time. Yeah. If you keep in mind that for a brand new parent, and I still remember the shame of the brand new parent, you know, and, and the loss of, I mean, all that head game that goes on. So if you can just keep your smile, you got a great smile. Keep that smile. Keep the business plan in mind. It's just one new thing at a time. If you don't understand it, ask them to repeat it. And um, go in with full partnership. Own it. Help them. Do everything you can. But, but we as parents, I believe, I mean, my life is that we own it. It's our kid. Yeah, no one's going to fix. There's no fixing. We have a unique critter that's yeah. in the world, given to us. So what are you gonna do about that, dad? You know? Yeah. And it's still- and as, far as, in, as far as in being four, and, um, and I always forget the actual age, I think it's six, right? They have to be in school for first grade, right? 
Mm -hmm. So you can keep them out of school in ABA all the way through until first grade if you want to, depending on his, you know, his needs, what you think is necessary. If you want him to be in school, go for it. If you don't want him to be in school, you don't have to. Um, the beauty of Texas, right? Um, but um, the um, but if you if you do decide to go into school, definitely having that conversation with your BCBA, making you know, making sure everybody's on the same page of what you want to get out of school and what you want to get out of ABA, so that um, you know you can have that conversation and be prepared. Like Gail said, when you go into the meeting of knowing all those extra pieces um, of your child of what you want and. Um, and what they want and how you want their education to look um, in those specific areas that they talk about. Um, I think one thing that's important, I think you might've mentioned it, Gail, but the autism, or it might've been this morning, but the autism supplement is a huge piece that um, I feel like a lot of families don't know about because it's an extra part of the ARD for children with autism. Um, and it always gets me because I, every time in a we get to the end, almost the end, I'm like, but what about the autism supplement? Like, I know, it's we, we do it at the end of the yard. It's just keep, don't worry about it. Um, but, you know, that really goes through all of the extra and special things that our kiddos with autism get, basically, as well. Um, and looking at their type of learning and their least restrictive environment and how many, um, what is that ratio of their learning? Do they need, you know, to learn new skills? Do they need one-on-one or do they need to be in a group of 10? Um, and all those things. So those are important pieces in my mind um, for the autism supplement part. Um, and then we also talked about getting the um, goals early, um, all the documentation three to five days before the actual art happens so that you're prepared so you don't have to walk in saying, I don't know what's supposed to be happening in this meeting, but you get them early so that you can actually read through the goals and make mm -hmm. comments. Um, I love how Gail has said, make your own presentation and write notes down so it's up on the screen and hey this is what these are my concerns I might have a hard time voicing them but they're written down so you can see exactly what what I'm saying and what I'm thinking too so to know the law to know the vocabulary to not be um not be afraid it's as I said in the very beginning our goal, the reason for today in this extended session or two, is that you all could get to the point where you could go into an ARD and it's a party. You, you know what you got to say. You're not, you're not, you're not worried about one on twelve. You know, once you know what you're talking about, you you can be one on twelve and they practically got to stick a cork in you to shut you up. But you, you're great to collaborate. You know, to be flexible. It's how does this work? What can we do? Uh, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. That's great. And because there's a lot of constraints, we call, I call them LEA quandaries, quandaries of the LEA. And I'm not the only one, I'm not the only parent. John's not the only kid. So how do we cooperate? Because I tell them, now my kid gets too many services and I tell them all he, what he needs best for his learning is the neurotypical, the regular, regular neurally wired regular neurotypical peers modeling so he can see it if all he sees is monkey the kid's a monkey you know I mean that's that's the behavior that he's innate with so he needs to know what it's supposed to look like and um I tell him just give us what you got for free just put it with other kids let them teach him John's most powerful teachers are his peers I don't want your stinking services but I don't say that. 
I think I'm more, I think that John is, is less, I think more kids have the trouble with not getting enough. Um, it's a story for how that happened. But um, so what I'm sometimes the devil's advocate, I'm sometimes, or, or no, not devil's advocate. Um, yeah, loyal opposition. I don't know. It's just, I'll take all of the, I'll take what, you know, the, the, the law and I'll try in a different way because John's a different kind of kid. All right. Um, you might need more services for your child and we're the opposite. But you can always get ideas from each other. There's always really smarter say, people, always smarter people than you in the room, you hope. <laughs> we're all learners, right? I always say you've met one kid with autism. You've literally met one kid with autism. Just one. Everybody's different. Um, and every household is different. Everybody's needs are different. Every parent training mm -hmm. need is different. Um, I think that's the good and the bad when we do group trainings because it's a generalization of this is what we could all do, but it's hard to get down to the nitty gritty of what your specific situation is and um, keeping it good. Um, yeah, I would like to speak up. Um, I know I think many of has younger kids. It's just my suggestion. Like, you know, I uh, like, you know, they are young. I would like you guys to, if you can stick with the ABA therapy. That, that is my personal, personal, because you know, uh, when my son got diagnosis, like, you know, we did uh, ABA therapy until he was in second grade. And after that, slowly we, we went to the uh, elementary school. I do really recommend it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm not saying, you know, particular ABA place, but you know, in general, I will recommend that for everyone. We you know, every day. Day. yeah, and yeah, we, because uh, yeah, when uh, when my son was that is the you know insurance company used not to cover they, they they were not yeah but we did it and now I think in most insurance co co it covers and I will like you know give. You know, if you can prioritize that and also take training. I did the training, but now I'm in this position. I'm done with providing, you know, following those, but you know, the, get the, all those ABA therapy. I think Pete Houston does the free training for parents. Yeah, and you know, utilize that. So how old is your child? Like I said, I, I'm very new. I'm very familiar with, with ARDS. Like I said, I've been an educator for 23 years and I've been an administrator for several years, but I'm new to ABA. So how old is your child? My son is uh, 19 right now. He's in senior high, senior in high school. Okay. Yeah. 14, yeah. 14 here. Yeah, and um, fourteen. Okay, and my daughter is three. She's three, <laughs> so she's not in school yet. But she just started ABA therapy on Monday. Like she just started. Yeah. It's all new for me. <laughs> I guess I know what to do at school, but the right, you know, but this a ABA is totally new for me. Denise, I have a question to flip it on you, actually. We're, you're going to turn into our um, resident expert um, okay. as an administrator here now. Sure. But how, um, you know, a lot of you missed the part where I was talking all about the collaboration piece and the importance of it. And I know you agree with all that part of it. But, uh -huh. you know, as an administrator and you have outside therapists coming in, what recommendations do you have for families and for those outside therapists, including myself, to, um, to be more 
um, efficient in collaboration and um, and working with the schools? You know, from my personal experience, I don't see the 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 like the consultants and the outside um, therapists who come in really working with the regular classroom teacher that much and talking with the classroom teacher and, and collaborating with them. However, like the therapists that come to our life skills program mm-hmm. and our um, structure program, I see them talking with the teachers all the time. However, right. we do have several therapists who come and work service the kids who are in the general ed, ed class. They don't really talk to the teacher. Gotcha. So to me, it's like when, the, when we were in the art, it's like, oh, the teacher's like, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were working on those skills with, you know, Jose, you know. So I just think for the, for those therapists that come in in service of general education, special ed kids who are in the general education class. And right now in my district, unfortunately, um, I'm in A-Leaf ISD in Houston. Um and the autism, we used to have a program called REACH 2-3. Um, that program was taken out of our district, whereas we had a, a, um, a, a in-class support teacher who only worked with the kids, the autistic kids, and a regular, and like, a, like a para and a teacher who worked mm-hmm. with the autistic kids in the general education class. Gotcha. Now we don't have that, so now, Anyone who from the outside who comes in, they really don't talk with the teacher that much to really education teacher. I feel like the life skills program, like our special special programs structure, which is our emotionally disturbed um, um, kids and our life skills kids, the therapists really work with them, but not really with the general education teacher. So that's my advice is to just have better communication with the classroom teacher. Good advice. Janice, how did your child get a diagnosis? How did you find out? Um, I had her evaluated through, um, from a psychologist from Action Based Center. Um, So it was like a teletherapy and um, a little bit of one-on-one, but that was the diagnosis I, I got this past summer. Well, not, well, no, like September. Did and it come it, as a surprise? Was it a surprise? Is that what you said? Um, no, <laughs> I knew something was wrong. This pandemic, I guess, was a blessing for me because uh, I was able to see my child all day, every day. And I realized, okay, you know, I saw a lot of repetitive behaviors, you know, she wasn't speaking, you know, she was about to turn three. And then I noticed that she, um, like I had some family come and visit and she hadn't, didn't want to, didn't want to have anything to do with any of the other kids. Just, I said, oh, something is not quite right. And being around so many autistic kids every day at school, you know, for years, I said, she she's looking like some of my friends that I know at school so I knew something wasn't quite right so I called I contacted her pediatrician and I said you know can you take a look at her can you what do you you know 
this is what I'm seeing. What do you think? And so that's how she recommended her to get tested. But I knew something was not, was not quite right <laughs> with my own, with my child. But I'm so happy that now that I'm, I'm she's getting some help now. And she's gonna go see a, a neurologist, a pediatric neurologist in, um, on the 21st of this month. So, cause right now her pediatrician is like, I don't know, you need to go see a neurologist. Cause I have a lot of questions and a lot of things I don't understand still. So, I don't know, that's where I'm at. We're just getting started. So as a fellow parent, just a few years ahead of you all, I mean, not, not ahead of Usha, but um, uh, I learned, have learned so much over the years from parents ahead of me, from conferences, from books, from classes. And um, I don't know if it's gonna be useful to you, but it is the right price tag. <laughs> I've, there's a lot of information I put in the, the chat notes there, the website and my email. Um, I've done a lot of early childhood workshops for just try to teach the preschool teachers what they're up against um, from uh, childhood learning and learning differences and behavior and immune system and blah, 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 um, because they're feeder system for the public school, right? And, and to try to help parents, my real passion is just trying to help fellow parents to prioritize because um, uh, I remember my early days, man, I don't, I'd hate for anybody to have to go through all of that again. So um, anyway, I just wanted to offer that. Um, my kid's now in puberty, so we're dealing with new issues and um, uh, moving on. So I'm trying to document it. And I've spent the, this, all these, the, these COVID months putting all the workshops into podcasts, audio podcasts. So I just wanted to mm -hmm. offer that. Your teachers okay. in services are, we're, we're starting to do now all the in services on Zoom. So I get it, I really love that to, to talk to either Region 4 or New Caney or whoever it is. Um, and occasionally a face-to-face -face one. Um, the, um, to help the, to find what interventions work the best for each child. And it can range from the immune system, sensory integration, while they're eating, how well can they see, what interventions, what kind of insurance do you got? Well, how's your time? You got other kids? Uh, how, what's your day going to look like? What is the family balance? Um, mm. And so the main thing is just to help the the um, help the parents to breathe and not be in. Yeah, we've already talked briefly about the shame thing and the fear and the panic and the, oh my god, what are we going to do? There's a lot of great. This is a great time to have these kinds of challenges um, because there's so much that we know about the brain and the interventions that Amanda's talked about both this session and first session. And what those of us who do this kind of stuff, we try to document and leave it. I look at the, the work I'm doing is for the kids who aren't even born yet. Cause they, they're coming like oh, every 20 minutes, another family enters the spectrum and that's not mm -hmm. even counting the comorbid or the more than one diagnosis going on at a time thing. And then how do we reach the parents? Right. And how do we give them you know, here, here's some choices. Maybe it's not exactly what you should do first, second, third, but we can at least narrow, take out some of the things that aren't so important. Just help prioritize until you get your feet underneath you. It's usually that getting caught off guard and what do I do now? It's the getting started. Um, I'll definitely say that this, this information, I wish I could have used this, I guess, last year around this time. Um, because we started our PPCD with HISD, 
we ran into a lot of roadblocks and well, because I work at the newspaper, I knew <laughs> some of the roadblocks that would be there. But um, I mean, we were constantly told that we didn't, we didn't need to get ARD meetings. Um, just a lot of different things Man. that I wish I would, for that to be our first experience, because um, my son is four. Um, it was really, really um, frustrating. So just to have some of this language, and I definitely plan on keeping in touch because just some of this language around it, like we just didn't know anything. And it was just very frustrating. And um, I mean, Amanda knows, we eventually just pulled him out. It was like, okay, he's gonna go to Apara, which he's doing wonderfully. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, but I'm, I'm glad we did make the decision to um, not necessarily take him out of school, but to incorporate ABA, because that's definitely given us the tool, some of the tools that we need. And I mean, like Amanda can attest when I say he's really been thriving, it's, it's like a new kid. <laughs> wow. See, that's what I want to hear about. And that's what I would, like I said, my, this has been my first week and it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know, no, he's flew down here from California to help me with, with her, take her and she takes her to a par in the morning and picks her up at two every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No, I mean, so far it's a success story. It's, it, it's a That's success good. story. He started in, well, he started part-time. He was still going to school in February. And then in March, he started full-time at Apara. Okay. Um, like a couple of weeks before all the shutdowns happened. Yeah. So we were like, oh God, you know, like what's going to happen? And when we started off, we were actually looking at, because he's mostly nonverbal. We okay. were actually looking at, um, you know, um, I forget what they're called, like language supplements. Um, he had a PEX book, which I can't remember what the, what the drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, to help him, like, you know, with pictures and things like that to say what he wants. And I mean, that was like, March, April. Now he's actually asking for things. So wow. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge, like, and he's, I mean, he's engaging with people. He's talking, he's saying hi and bye. And I mean, it's a different kid. He's a wow. Lot, yeah, he's a lot sillier and playful. And, but I think it's his biggest thing was communication, which oh caused goodness. so many other issues because that's my daughter too. Yeah. So like the tamp, the tantrums, all of that really kind of centered around for him, um, communication. So once he started to realize and get that confidence that, hey, if I say this, I actually get a response and people know yeah. what I'm saying, then he mm -hmm. does it a lot more. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah. And we kind of lucked out that his kind of, his motivation is praise. He doesn't really do like, okay, I'll give you this if you do this. Like he, mm -hmm. if you just say good job, he's like, oh, yay, I'm going to do something else and you can tell me good jobs. <laughs> Oh, so it's really, I mean, I can say at least for us that it's, I mean, it's a success story so far. <laughs> wow. So, so the, he still helpful. goes there full-time now? Yes, he's full-time. So mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, he has 28 hours. So he's there for, he's there every day. And he has speech and occupational on, um, uh, I like <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has speech and occupational on Wednesdays and then after he finishes that he goes back to Apara so he has some type of therapy every day okay. and we actually had taken him out of speech 
um, to go to APARA to kind of change it up and give us some tools to kind of learn and then took him back to speech. And they're just so like, they're just like, this is a different kid. Like we, it's because we hit a wall with speech um, mm -hmm. with him just doing speech. But now with mm -hmm. the combination of ABA and speech, he's just, I mean, he's, He's very, he's, I'm very proud of him. I'll say that. Okay. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> well, that's because Amanda's team deals with the whole child, right? And if, yes, your, right. if your child is motivated by um, neurotypical love languages, because that's one of them, right? And that's going to actually then make his way, as he makes his way in the world, it's going to be an easier fit. Because, I mean, your child will always be unique. Each of your children, all of our children, are always going to be unique, right? Um, but as his path goes forward, he'll, he'll um, he, not that, not, it's not your intention that he fits in, but he will find his place with less friction because mm -hmm. people will understand. And, and as he gets more vocabulary and he's at the praise and that's kind of a natural flow and get the give and take, and then you can start to build imagination and build friendships and he feels empowered. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's very, it's very exciting just to, to go from kind of him not speaking and like now he's just, I mean, he's so engaged, just, it's, it's really amazing. So wow, I do have, I do have, I do have a para and Amanda's team to thank because I mean, and I mean, he's only been there since March, so not even a full year. And I think we took a month off during COVID, COVID. like when, when COVID really spiked, we took a month off just to kind of see where the cases were going to go. I think that mm -hmm. was like July or something. So in eight months, essentially, he's, he's really, he's really done. Really done oh, well. that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. and, and then with the, the whole child approach, um, the immune system and nutrition and this and that and all these things add up and they, they, they supplement what you're already doing. It's, it's like I've hardly given up any. So there's 12 years in the spectrum, I've hardly given up any interventions. We just add them. Because yeah. the, the, the whole of it all is working so well. He's never had a regression past the, he almost died from fire ants. So we had a whole anaphylactic reaction, almost died twice. It was just a, but it was an immune system. And then it led to the learning and then it led to the social behavior and all those others. But anyway, once you get, get your core interventions and then you can kind of keep adding to it, right? And so the child just keeps going toward the light, which is great. You don't have any further regressions. Yeah. Wow. Gail, I think I love how you said it earlier that, you know, y'all were in an ABA center for several years and then, but through your parent training, you learned the skill. So even though you might not say like, oh yes, I used ABA today, or yes, this is an ABA technology, I'm still utilizing those principles. And I think that's, you know, for y'all as parents in an ABA center that using your BCBAs, getting that parent training is so imperative to y'all because again, you know, there's going to be a day where they're graduated from the clinic, but you know, years from that, something else is going to happen. And it's really goes back onto y'all as parents of, okay, I remember this one time they talked to me about escape maintained behaviors, meaning, you know, he's not, he or she are not doing that behavior because they don't want to do it. Um, so now what do I do? Do I just let it go? Do I keep pushing? What, what do I do? Um, and so just pulling back on those, those principles that you're being taught in your parent trainings are so important. Um, and then teaching those to your family. And, you know, when you're with the school and teaching the teachers earlier, we talked about 
sharing the, the BIPs and making sure we're collaborating and teachers teaching BCBAs and BCBA te teaching teachers and all of that. I mean, all of it is um, going to make that collaboration, going to make that progress happen even, hopefully even faster if we're all on the same page teaching the same things. So it's, um, it's, it's universal design for parenting. Okay. Because it's, it's setting the boundaries. It's holding the boundaries. It's classic love and logic. It's classic strong-willed child. I use it every day with him. It's classic, um, get your list done first and then play delayed gratification. I mean, it just, you even use it to train the dog. Y'all missed out on her slide this morning, but she had some good similes of where ABA fits into every other part of life, including pet pet training. Um, but yeah, um, I use it on John constantly, you know, um, in, in a world of turbulation. But that's, that's where he finds his rock solid base is that that's his certainty. Yeah. See, I, um, so what's occupational therapy? Is it part of the ABA or is is totally different? Well, I'll explain it this way. So oh. if so, PT physical therapy is like your legs. Okay. Occupational therapy is more your hands, fingers, and then speech is more oral motor, trigeminal up here, right? So occupational therapy is really what do you do with your fingers toward your occupation? Can you tie your shoes? Can you cut stuff out? Can you dress yourself? Can you hammer a nail and use tools and things? So occupational therapy is so key because you need all of this stuff to work together as a kid. Um, our ECI person said, you can, if, if you have a choice between speech and SLP speech and OT, always go for the OT because the, the kids have midline crossover issues. They have motor planning issues. And so you just can't get good enough with this stuff. Okay. We do a lot of other interventions toward that, that, that proprioceptive, that vestibular, being at peace in their skin. If they can't sit down and be at peace in their skin, how are they going to sit down at school? Okay. Got right? It. They're going to yeah. be poking every kid there is, and that's going to cause all kinds of, of ramifications. So I'll let Amanda answer, but that's basically my world. It addresses the immune system. It addresses mm -hmm. um, their uh, meth uh, methylation, the, the detoxing, the use in the hands, the good behaviors. Okay. So not so much this, not. not so much the speaking, although it does have something to do with oral motor and not so much the legs. Cause that's more like balance, physical therapy. Am I strong enough to stand up and sit down? But it's all these other intermediary pieces. Okay. Got it. Thank you. A lot of times what we do too with, um, with those specialized therapies, the speech, OT and PT will, um, will work together with them. So they might say, hey, I'm struggling with this child because of their behaviors. So then we'll come in and say, okay, this is, here's your plan, or this is how you can work on these behaviors, things like that. Um, our model, how to do it, think, you know, all that collaboration. And then that session might go a little bit easier for them. So that's one thing, you know, we really enjoy about having um, speech and OT at our places because we can work with that therapist and help them learn a new skill. You know, there's, Every therapist has their strengths and weaknesses as well, right? Um, so if we can teach them another skill, that's just not going to help our one kid she's working with, but 10 others probably as well. So on, on John's best years, he's had three OTs in one per week <laughs> with attack, uh, working on different things, behavior, pill swallowing, getting his vitamins down, nutrition, um, not hitting the TV, not breaking the glass on the front door not hitting mom, not hitting the dog, you know, um, 
that kind of stuff too, as well as tie your shoes. Okay, so do, do you have to avoid any foods for these kids, especially if you have any if kids going to ABA therapy? Sorry, one more time. Uh, any food restriction we have to? That, so there isn't any data really showing all the different diets specifically saying they cause autism or help help autism, don't help autism. I'm not sure which way you want to put it there. Um, but I do, I mean, I do know families that are on different diets and um, I think it's an important piece to, you know, I think the basic is if your child is hurting because they're eating something that's hurting them, they're not going to act as they need to and learn different skills, right? Just as you, you know, if you have a stomach ache, you're going to be miserable, right? So, and I think it's really, um, I think we should be looking at it as not necessarily, oh, because they have autism, we should be doing these diets. I think it should be more of my child gets sick after they eat these things, or my child's behaviors change when they eat X and Y things. Let's go to the doctor and find out, do they have an allergy to it? Are they, um, what's the other word? Not an allergy, but a, um, um, it's less than an allergy when a, it just bothers them. What's that? I can't think of what that word is right now. Yeah. Um, um, now, my specific they, question is like, uh, do we need to avoid gluten foods or uh, nuts, something like that? Right. And that, I mean, that's all parent preference and all your child preference as far as like ABA goes. Well, how about this? Can I add my two cents to that? Yeah, so definitely. Not only parent preference, but individual immune system preference. Right, right. So um, I've, I've learned about immune systems the hard way because my kid almost died from an immune system that didn't work right. So it goes back to inflammation. And each kid is different. If you remember, you know, we talked about not only are they learning differently, but their chemical machine is different. So if they have inflammation, if they're genetically predisposed toward, so the damage or the hardship, the challenges could be either from the womb, which is genetic, the DNA, um, double helix, right? Or it could be epigenetic. So if there was some childhood trauma that happened after birth, so for my kid, anaphylactic reaction to fire ants, almost killed them a couple of times. So that changes the little electrical switches that are on the, the double helix uh, of the DNA and RNA. So if there is a huge amount of inflammation, the kid can't think, can't process. Their body could be not purging out, not methylating, not detoxing enough. So if the food goes in, but it, it doesn't get absorbed, then it's just in and out and they, and they, they don't develop um, like a, a muscle tone. So that's the mitochondrial cells in their body that aren't getting the nutrition that they need or they're weak. So they call those kids low tone. Um, and, um, so each immune system is different. I know for my son, John, we, uh, started off with gluten-free casing free, and I never saw anything efficacious any. So I just kind of didn't do much with it. I wasn't very committed. Then he got really, really sick and really, really scrawny. And our OT at the time said, okay, don't chelate. Cause we were almost to chelation back in the old days. We did all kinds of crazy things. Uh, don't chelate, but go with gaps diet, the gluten psychology syndrome diet, which was a, an MD mom who came up with that. And that's kind of you, you cook, you, your kid eats like grandma used to cook, lots of cooked vegetables. And, and it's not too far from what we've evolved to now, which is nutritional balancing over some, uh, but we have two biomedical doctors. So biomedical is just like functional medicine, which is, it might involve classic uh, AMA pediatric kind of things, but mm, let's look at how each kid develops, you know, how do they react to certain foods, which molecules. So um, anyway, uh, he's, he was so scrawny, but he's come along quite well. And so 
in a nutshell, a lot of cooked vegetables, not processed, not sugars. Um, but we have a, a one doctor on genetics that we use and another doctor on evidence from, uh, from hair samples. I mean, in the old days, we did poop samples, hair samples. I mean, and we've done some, like I said, crazy things over the years, trying to figure out what's going wrong. So anyway, that's a really short version of my, my world of immune systems, but it's a real thing. And um, if your kid can develop an oral motor trigeminal nerve um, non-aversion toward lots of food groups, then you're gonna get a really good balanced diet. All the colors, not processed, not chicken nuggets and French fries for every day, please dear God. You know, um, my kid will eat amazing stuff and, and swallow these big old honkers, but it wasn't easy. We had to do a lot of ABA <laughs> to get him to do this, but now he, he'll eat anything, mostly. And he's got some neurotypical cousins who won't eat anything and, and they're in psychology training. I mean, uh, in psychology therapy. So, you know, um, we use ABA to get pillows, the pills down because he couldn't, sw he wouldn't take anything. And now he takes those big old double zeros down the hatch and he wants hair. You know, I, I did this with first session. This is how John's motivated. He wants hair. Mom, do I have hair? Do I have hair yet? Mom, do I have hair yet? You know? And so I said, you want, you want hair, don't you? I said, take your vitamins. He goes, okay, I'll take my vitamins. Go brush your teeth. So I'm using ABA in, in a psychology way to get him what he wants and <laughs> what I want him to do, which is, you know, yeah. so anyway, it's kind of a long answer, but the immune system is so vital. Vital. Thanks. In my, in my, in our experience, but that's just one family. That's not your family. That's just my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's the biggest point is that there's so many things out there. There's so many in, in school, we call them. And even now but we call them fad diets and it's, you know, the, the new thing that's out, you know, and everybody wants to try this new thing. Um, but there's just not a lot of science behind it. And I will say, I mean, as a parent, I try every single thing I can for my child. Right. As a professional, I'm like, no, don't do that because there isn't research and there isn't this. But, you know, for me, all that goes out the window at times, right? Because it's my child and I want to protect my child and do everything I possibly can. I won't be able to sleep at night if I don't check every single box that I try things, right? Um, so for us, honestly, when a family comes to us and says, hey, I'd like to try the gluten-free diet or hey, I'd like to try blah, 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 or this thing, we're going to say, sounds great. Let's try it but I'm going to put a data, I'm going to put a point on my data sheet saying, hey, are my graph, this is the day we started it. And let's see what happens. We've got the data before, and now we'll have the data after. Let's see if it worked or didn't work. And after whatever many weeks we agreed to with that family, we'll come back to the table and say, hey, it's working. Keep going. Or yeah. it's not really working. Let's not do this. Um, but then to push it forward even further, when you're going to the doctor and maybe you decide to put your child on medication at some point, this is an amazing tool to have then to go to the doctor and say, Hey doc, we've got six months of data showing crazy aggressions, or we've got six months of data showing all this, you know, he's very distracted, a lot of hyperactivity, things like that, whatever that behavior is you're looking at, let's try something. The doctor says, okay, let's put him on X, Y, and Z medicine. Let's wait a couple of weeks. Now you've got two data. You got your baseline of no meds and you have your baseline of medicine. And you can then say it's working or it's not working. Um, and that's the beauty of data across the board anywhere, whether that's why we look at it for any decision we make with our kids, because it shows us what we just did. Did that work or not work? Um, and that's, that's what we're trying to do, right? Make it work. Yeah. And to, to Amanda's point, 
Um, back in the early days, and I really suggest this for you all, I kept medical records out the wazoo. And in the first ebook I wrote, I actually published them all, even though it's kind of private. But just to give parents an idea, this is what it could look like. And so every time I went to a different doc, I could just hand them the sheet instead of filling out all the stuff. But I kept track of exactly that. But it was uh, more like medical notes in, right. in my mind. It was, they weren't charts. They were narratives, you know. Um, and, and then just to also show you as a child develops, and now we're taking social emotional learning and adding that to the ABA and the rigor of all that. Um, I won't let him have French fries at a drive through but I will let him go to lunch and pick out whatever he wants with his tray in the cafeteria, putting his numbers in, watching the other kids, where is he gonna sit? Because he has to learn how to navigate the school cafeteria and I don't, I don't tamper with what he chooses. But he, when he's with me, he's not gonna get away with eating crab. It's gonna be hungry or eating good stuff, you know, the cooked vegetables, the kinds of things not processed, you know. But, and two different set of rules, it seems like, but there's a reason that we're going with the wide open world chaos at some times, but not when he's, when I have, when I have control because I want him to know how to practice under non-control. Yeah. Which is not 100% logical. It's kind of not logical, but it worked. It's working for John. We're just about at 310. We're oh. just a few minutes over. Do y'all have any last minute questions before we wrap up? Do we have the recorded session in the, in the morning session? Yeah, Gail, you're going to, where will you post that? Or how do we, I, you know, you can send it out to me. I, what I did actually with all of my families, I went ahead and just sent them the whole, the link, all of them, the link for this up today. So if you want, I mean, if you want to send it to me, then I can send it out to my families or I, you're probably posted online too, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll do it, all of it. So um, as y'all came in, there's actually a way with Zoom that you can get everybody's email. So even if you didn't give it to us in chat um, and we'll be able to archive the first session, which went two and a half hours. Um, and then the, the question and answer became kind of private and the, and the mom said, could you just not record? And we said, of course. And then we've recorded this one. Um, and then there'll be the, the link to all of the pages. Um, and that's actually probably gonna be a Dropbox because they're pretty big files. So we'll have all of that and I'll send it to Amanda and then I'll also have your email so we can send it out directly if you want. Um, and um, then I also, if you wanna find me on Facebook, um, I think I, yeah, I did. I put in the chat how you can track, uh, track me down on our teams if you want. So I post a lot on social media and there's a website and there's listservs or a couple of different things. Um, when your kids get older, you'll start, start to worry about emergencies and first responders and tasers and handcuffs. And that's another one of our teams is first responder supports when dealing with neurodiversity. We have a sibling team, um, an Espanol team, um, and that will come. I mean, right now you guys have got just little kids. So, you know, one step at a time. Piquito, piquito, piquito. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, anything that we've talked about today will be full intellectual property for you all to have and share and share amongst your families. And okay. yeah. And reach out if y'all have any other questions or ideas for trainings. I think that's one of the, for me at least, is the biggest thing of, well, I've got ideas of trainings, but do people really want to learn these ideas? So, you know, as y'all as parents, if you have ideas, let us know as presenters, we're always looking for new things to present on. Yeah. Alrighty. We wish you the best with your kids. I mean, you already have a relationship with Amanda. This is the first time I've seen your faces, but I mean, I, I've, you know, I've, it, it gets better. 
I promise you. And if it's already better for you, then that's great. I, I'll share this last parting story. So John was, oh, I can't record this. I'm going to unrecord this. <laughs> and then I'll tell you. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, 